Welcome to the Rap Race to Buy podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place. Here to challenge you to think out of the box, your hosts, Felipe Mejia and Diego Corzo. What's up, you guys? Super excited to be coming to you today to talk with Diego Corzo. So welcome to the Rat Race to Five podcast, where we're going to be talking about entrepreneurship, real estate, just all of that. Diego, we've been in business for quite a while. Uh, super glad that I met you at BPCon. Super excited to finally be doing a podcast with you. I think this is going to help out a lot of people. Um, so first, you know, I think a lot of people have seen you on Bigger Pockets. They've seen you on a ton of podcasts. But let's get to know who is Diego. Not just the investor or mm-hmm. not just the entrepreneur or not just the TEDx speaker, right? Yeah. Who is Diego? You know, dive into who you are, bro. Yeah, and I'm very excited to be sharing my story with you here because I feel like uh, it's definitely been a roller coaster, especially with a little bit of my story being a dreamer, being an immigrant, and being able to be on the pursuit of my goals despite the circumstances. Right. Right? So. I am, um, so I'm 30 years old, uh, I am an immigrant, mm. and I am what Congress right now calls a dreamer, mm. which is a person that was brought here to the United States as a kid and is currently in limbo because even though I'm undocumented, there's no path for me to get my green card, to mm. become a citizen. And Does that mean you can work in the States though? Like, How does that look like for people who don't know what that dreamer is? title means right yeah. just based on what they see on cnn right exactly. but what what is a dreamer like give yeah, us a little so, background on that. so a dreamer is basically somebody who came here at the age of 16 or before mm-hmm. and their first generation american or, or like first generation immigrant right. let's say and we don't know if um like where we cannot work we cannot get student loans but in 2012 when obama passed the daca a program that's when I was finally able to work and drive mm. so there's been a lot of obstacles and challenges and when we came here with my family when I was nine years old we came here with a visa but then we overstayed it mm, got it okay. and that's when I knew that um, that we were undocumented but it didn't really hit me until I turned 15 years old mm. which was when I was trying to get my driver's license so let's talk about the overstaying part, right? Because mm-hmm. re- we really want to get to know who is Diego. Mm-hmm. So let's get into the ugly, right? So <laughs> your parents stayed, overstayed their visa from Peru. Is that mm-hmm. what you said you're from? Yeah. Okay. So why would someone leave their country and then overstay a visa in another country? Like, why would someone do that? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Because at the end of the day, it's like we came here to in the pursuit of something bigger, mm-hmm. in the pursuit so that my parents can give my brother and I a better future. Mm-hmm. That's at, at the end of the day, that's, that's, the underlying that's what line. it's all. Yeah. It. My, my, uh, my dad, he couldn't find a job in Peru. Mm-hmm. Our car got stolen six months before we moved to the States. <sighs> my mom, uh, at some like red lights while she was walking, she got mugged with a knife and once with a gun. Jeez. So it was sort of like, you know what? Let's Time leave to go. Peru yeah. and let's see what we can do in the, in the United States. Sure. So that's when we sold everything that we had and we moved. My my dad told me that we had $8,000 um, and that's what we used to land here Life in the savings. United States. That's it. Life, Life savings, savings. Things that we sold. Did um, you speak English when you got to this country? or did Very you? little. Very little? Very little. Okay. Very little. Um, 
yeah, I studied until third third grade in Peru before I moved to the States. And Got my it. parents did not speak very much English at all. Um, yeah. So, so you come to you come to the United States, you're on a Peru, you're on a visa, you overstay your visa. Uh, your parents, I'm assuming, find work. What happens now? Yeah. My parents find work at a restaurant. Okay. My mom is a waitress. My dad is a cook. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we were living uh, in my aunt's house mm-hmm. for the first three months of the States. We, that, that we were in the States. We lived in one of the rooms at my aunt's house, and we slept in a bunk bed. Mm-hmm. So my brother and my mom upstairs, I mean... My my brother and I in the top bed and my parents downstairs. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, and then it wasn't until October because we moved here in August. By October, November, we found our own place mm-hmm. and yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what happens next? Your parents yeah. find a place, work. You guys are starting to go through school. You we know, go through school, yes. How middle does that? school, elementary. Um, it was always a challenge trying to like, especially learning a new language. Mm-hmm. I was in ESOL for like two years. Mm. And then in high school, I um, I was really good at school, and in the beginning, in third grade, I would get good grades except for an English class mm-hmm. because I was trying. I didn't know any English or anything like right, that. Right, and right. then I would sometimes get in trouble because I would ask the students to translate a couple of things and like Diego, stop talking. Diego, stop mm-hmm. talking. Um, and my teacher didn't speak any any in Spanish. Spanish. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but then it was in high school. Um, when I turned 15, mm-hmm. went to the DNB, and at that point, that was when I personally, I it hit me that I was going to have obstacles as an undocumented immigrant. So this Before is where the obstacles began. Like, yeah. This is where it was like your first no mm-hmm. because you're an immigrant, right? Exactly. Because you overstayed your visa type of thing. Personally. Personally. Like I knew that as a family we had some challenges, yeah. but it was But this more is the like first time personal. you got hit. Yeah. Okay, talk us through that. Yeah. What you say DMV, they you, but give us yeah. the, give us the nuts and bolts. What happened? Yeah, I go to the DMV. Okay. And I give them the documents that I had, mm-hmm. just like all my friends, because by then, some of my friends were getting their driver's license, I was gonna get my permit, right. I was so excited, and uh, and then when I go there, again, give them the documents, and they said, Diego, things are, things are good, but we're missing this document or this document. Mm-hmm. And I go to my mom, and she's like, we don't have that. So then she tells me, you're not gonna be able to get one. And that wow. is when I knew that so my life everyone was be, at yeah. 16 is getting their license, 15, 16, getting starting their permit. to drive, yeah. Picking up chicks, that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. And boom, you can't drive. I can't drive. Because of your status. Yeah. Yeah. That was the first big obstacle. How did that I feel? It sucked uh-huh. because in some cases I was the oldest of some of my friends. So it was like me to be able to get my permit or get my mm-hmm. license and then I couldn't. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I just had to put all my emphasis into school mm-hmm. my mom was my mom and my and and my parents were always telling me hey we have to do what's best with our situation mm. right like that was a mindset Got it. and uh, i was able to still every single day i would stay after school and i would always find a ride to either to my dad's restaurant or to my house right because i because i still had to do sports like i still wanted to do sports and sure. curricular activities so i could take the bus for sure um but i always managed to find a ride Got it, and got it. Um, yeah, so yeah, so I put all my emphasis into school. I graduated third in my high school class, 
and um, and I got into Florida State University. Okay, so that's high school finished up. You did super good. Yeah, you're focused on school because you couldn't go anywhere anyway. So exactly. You focused on grades. Exactly. Awesome. Okay, so boom, college. College. How did this go? I'm applying like again, all my friends, and we are talking about grants, scholarships, financial aid, mm-hmm. FAFSA, which is like just like being able to qualify for money from the government so that they could pay me to go the to regular college. senior yeah. conversations just like about going to college. college yes yeah. and then as i'm applying to this they said diego we just need to see your green card or your citizenship and i'm like crap i don't have it just like when you do the driver's license yes same thing so i found that i couldn't qualify for student loans or financial aid i won some scholarships and then they were taken back because they were missing my green card wow and those were okay. based on scholar on scholastic right mm-hmm. on grades mm-hmm. Yeah, so that part sucked, but then I was able to manage to have one or two scholarships and stick, and then I had enough money between the savings that I had from my parents and Mm -hmm. myself uh, that I was able to go to college for the first semester. Mm, While I'm there, I begin to volunteer for a nonprofit doing websites, because that was my major, Mm -hmm. and after a whole semester, they said, Diego, we want to hire you because you've done more work than some seniors doing a year and you're doing it as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And I was like, great, this is gonna be awesome. So I submit all my paperwork and they say, Diego, your application looks great. We just need your work authorization. I'm like, cool. I go to my mom and I'm like, hey mom, I need my work authorization. She's like, we don't have it. Again, Again. three. Three. Jeez. So at age 19, I found that I couldn't work, couldn't drive, to like by 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 that time, it can't work, can't drive, and can't get student loans or financial aid. But immigrants are stealing all the jobs, right? Yeah, we're we're, we're, yeah. we're stealing the jobs. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's not something you're gonna hear on most podcasts, right? They're gonna cut that part out. Exactly. So, but we're still in we're still in the jobs. But so so no license, you can't get a license. It's almost impossible for you to get into college. You're not getting any student mm-hmm. loans, and you're not getting or you can't get any grants or scholarships. You got a couple to stick. Yeah. You're working for a nonprofit for free. They finally try to hire you, and you don't have your work authorization. Yeah, and they wanted to Jesus. hire me because of the work that I did for them. Because like, of the value because that you added. Yes. Exactly. Okay, exactly. so what happens? Yeah, so I mean, at the end of the day, I remember what my dad told me, that mm-hmm. the U.S. is a land of opportunity, but okay. it is up to us to find it. Come on. So I always grew up with that, that mm-hmm. there was always a way to be resourceful. Mm-hmm. There's always a, a way. And, and my, how old are you at this time, sorry? I was 19. 19, okay. Yeah, and my mom always told me, Diego, we have to do where we can with our situation. Got it. Right, so I always had that, but that brought resourcefulness. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things that I did to pay for college Mm -hmm. was in one of my classes, for example, I was always a kid that will get the A's and I would set the curve, mm. right? So I, I, I was <laughs> so that you kid. were the reason that I got C's and D's, not my own fault. It was your fault. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you I, fixed I the, the curve. curve. <laughs> yeah. So what I would do is yeah. I would do study guides. So for the first test, the teacher would say, Diego, I mean, everybody, if you know all of these questions, if you know the answers, you will pass. You will get an A. Got it. So I'm like, great. I will find those answers and I will memorize them. So that's what I did. First test set up the curve, then I em- then I emailed everybody and posted on the Facebook group that we had for that class. Hey, my name is Diego, I was the one who set the curve. You must. <laughs> for, <laughs> for test number two, yeah. I'm gonna do the study guide, mm-hmm. just like I did to get an A, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna sell it to you guys for 10 bucks. Oh, who nice. wants it? Everyone. Everyone, so I make 300 bucks for Boom. that semester, for, for that one test, and test number two, or test number three at that point, 
I made another 250 bucks or 200 bucks. So as bucks. college students, we know 300 bucks. That's ramen noodles for two weeks. Man. Right? We, can, <laughs> right? we can eat. But it was great. And that, yeah. for example, with that money, I paid for my classes. Got it. And then I would do... Um, I you would just reinvest that money back into your, your uh, education. Exactly. Yeah. But in that time, I also found out that I could open up my own LLC mm. because I needed to do work. Mm. Like, yeah. So I found out that in creating my own LLC, I was able to be getting paid as a contractor rather than Diego Corzo. So you can open an LLC in this time being undocumented yes. in the United States. Yes. Using the EIN? Using, I will use my ITIN number. I got it, okay. To create the company. Got it. So it's funny because Uncle Sam wouldn't let me pay taxes as an employee, but they but would let will me pay as taxes a as a business. <laughs> <laughs> right? So yeah. it's like, they're going to get their taxes. They're going to get their money. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So that was the thing. Um, and in being resourcefulness from that perspective, my buddy, one of my best friends, Pascal, mm -hmm. I he said, how can I help you? And I was shout like, well, out Pascal. Yeah, shout out to Pascal. He was my rides all over high school and college. And yeah. Good friend. Amazing friend. And um, so he set up the LLC first. Mm-hmm in his name as a manager bank account everything and then he added me so that there's less hassle right makes sense so then from that moment on we had an it consulting company and then i would get paid as a contractor whenever i mm. would work do the website and at for, what age is this this is like 20 years old now okay but still college still college nice. yeah because that was my way for me to pay for college you know it's interesting because like that's not what i was doing in college <laughs> i have my I, you know i was born in the united states i have my social security Right, I was still getting tickets for driving my fast car through college and getting in trouble and doing stuff yeah. and barely passing college. So I wonder if like your difficulties have actually become your unfair advantage, and we'll get to that later, mm -hmm. of like how you've become so resourceful and mm -hmm. successful yeah. because you haven't had the same opportunities yeah. as, for example, I have, right? Mm -hmm. Now my family came over here undocumented, did everything they had to do, got, got their citizenship. I was born here. So I grew up with different... Um, uh, access to different things than you did but it sounds like you've even surpassed me but it's because you've been resourceful with mm -hmm. what you the little you did have you've maximized that yeah I think that's really cool okay so for any for everyone out there listening who's like in your shoes just to this point right now mm -hmm. you're still able to get paid you still went to college uh, at this point you're still not driving though right no i'm driving my bike your bike okay. i want to share a story about all right that we'll talk too. about your bike right now uh but for those that are like, oh, I don't have, I'm undocumented, and mm -hmm. we're trying to work through Dreamers and you know DACA and all this, um, you can still go to college, and you can still get paid. You just As be a contractor, you just got to get creative. This is pre-DACA. Pre-DACA. This is pre-DACA. So DACA so made it like, a little bit easier. Yeah. So this is like I'm undocumented. 100%. Just completely. Okay. Yeah. So bike. What? Yeah, so How bike. are you getting around? <laughs> yeah, dude. So my bike was basically my mode of transportation at that time. Okay. Okay. And what happened was. Like when I would set up appointments, mm -hmm. that was whatever it was, three miles away, five miles away. This is pre-Uber, pre-Lyft, right? We're talking about 2010, 2011. Wow. Um, and I would put a suit in my backpack mm -hmm. and I would ride my bike with, with, with my gym clothes in mid-summer, let's say, because mm -hmm. I, I, I went to school at, at FSU. Yeah, so in like Florida. Yeah. Mid-summer. Mid and I would just ride, ride my bike to and from to my meeting, for example, uh -huh. put my bike in the back of the building, change into my suit, <laughs> right? Fix my hair, whatever, and then go to the front of the building to meet my clients. Sure. 
afterwards, I would go to the back of the building, hoping that nobody sees me from that perspective. Change really quickly. Change quickly and ride my bike back home. Wow. And I would do that multiple times. But for me, and it was hot, it was sweaty, but I just had to do what do I had what to, do, to do, right? With those things, it's like, and one can say that, hey, Diego, you've done like, you've had so many obstacles and stuff like that. But like I said, it was like the sacrifice that my parents did in the beginning makes the small sacrifice. I consider my sacrifices like small you my know, challenges and, and, compared to what they had to go through. Right. And that's interesting because like me going to a meeting at 21 would have been as easy as jumping in my car and going to the meeting with yeah. AC on and cranking music and, you know, sipping my coffee while I get there. Yeah. Right. So I'd super prepared for that meeting. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to, you know, you're, you're, you can't think mentally prepare yourself for that meeting on the way there because you're making sure you don't yeah. get run over. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so then what? You're, you're yeah. on your bike. I'm on my bike. Making I mean, meetings happen. Yeah. And then in 2012, that was when Obama passes the DACA program. Okay. That will then allow me to finally be able to work and drive. Mm. That same semester, I was graduating. Okay. And I wa- I got into an interview with General Motors. Nice. And because of the fact that they saw my resume with so many different things of real life examples, right. they said, "Wow, Diego, you have more work experience." I'm <laughs> talking to, with other students about their school projects. Yeah. And you're telling me that you actually meet with business people, and I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "All right, so we're gonna give you a job. You want to nice. go to Detroit or Austin?" And choosing Austin, fast forward to now, I mean, it was the best choice I ever could have made. Why'd you choose Austin? Because I don't like the snow. <laughs> it's just as simple as that. That I've easy. I've never been to Detroit, and I've never been to Austin. So it was that yeah. easy. I was like, I'm going to Austin. I like that. And um, yeah, it was, it was awesome. So mm. in 2014, no, in, yeah, in 2012, graduated with two bachelor's degrees, um, top 1% of FSU, with no student loans. Yeah top one percent and um graduated and then in and then i was in in austin by january 2013 wow okay yeah what does that look like being undocumented though for uh general motors what what did they look at so they i just told them that the documents that i needed to work they would come by the time that i would needed to get started did you know that to be true okay okay that's what my attorney told me but (laughs) My cases always take forever with immigration. Yeah, sure. You never know. You never know. So I was supposed to get my DACA documents in three in three months. Mm-hmm. Submitted them in September 2012, getting them by December, starting work in January 2013. Great. I moved to Austin. Okay. Like December happens, December 2012, and I still don't have anything. I'm like, crap, I'm supposed to start work in two weeks or in a week, and I don't have anything. In spite of that, uh, Pascal, again, we took a road trip because he was moving to Colorado. Okay. And I was like, Pascal, it would be great if we finish our like college life in with this like road trip yeah. where you drop me off in Austin, like w- us becoming adults, right? So you drop me off in Austin and then you land in Colorado. And then boom, we finish our sure. college days. He's like, dude, that will be awesome. Mm. So on that, we took eight days from Florida, sure. we went to Colorado, whatever. Take your time. And at this point, General Motors, like we're in January now, and we I still don't have anything. So I moved to Austin, and I made a list with Pascal. I will never forget. We went to a barbecue place some somewhere, and I was like, dude, I'm nervous. Like, should is it even, if I don't have my papers, does it even make sense for me to go to Austin, or should yeah. I just wait? Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And he's like, okay, well, write a pros and cons list. And we did. 
And at the end of the day, in looking at the pros and cons of should I be in Austin or should I go to Florida to be with my parents, mm -hmm. he says, where would you grow more? And he's like, mm -hmm. I will grow more if I stay in Austin. All right, then that's what you have to do. And I was like, you're right. So I stayed there, moved to Austin, mm -hmm. bought a new bike. Because right. at this point, <laughs> I moved to Austin. I don't know anybody. Yeah. I can't drive, right? right? And like, I don't even have my work permit. Mm. Like, I don't have anything. Right. And I don't know anybody. So I managed to rent a room for 500 bucks or five, 550, very close to General Motors. Mm -hmm. And then I convinced the managers, upper level management, somehow to hire me, to have hire my company so that I could work as a contractor while waiting for my paperwork from immigration. Now, is this the LLC that you made with Pascal? Yes. Nice. Yes. So then. So wait, wait, wait. Let's, yeah. not, let's not run over that. How did that happen? How did you convince General Motors C-suite execs to say yes mm -hmm. to hiring your LLC with probably not too much history, no history knowing they're getting you but not hiring you yeah that's I mean as a business entrepreneur yeah. now that's a risky move yeah. because they don't have you they yeah. have your business exactly so tell yeah. me because from what we know mm -hmm. if you hire an LLC as a as a contractor they don't have to show up for work they don't. They don't have a schedule that they have to keep. Exactly. It's just a. It's just a contractual a contract. agreement between me and you, mm -hmm. or me and your company that mm -hmm. you are going to do something. Yes. So I mean, explain that to me because yeah. if I have an employee, it's like, dude, you're here nine to five. You got to be here. I'm gonna. Exactly. I can drug test you. You know the whole bit. Mm -hmm. So how did you convince them? Yeah. So General Motors. So in the because of a little bit of my, I shared a little bit of my story with that manager, uh -huh. and he like. He loved me. Mm -hmm. Like he was like, Diego, like you're an amazing person. We want to help you out. The funny thing is that there was an, I, an IT day in Detroit and I got invited to go while I was in college. Mm. And I went where there were like a hundred students that were going to be the college new hires. Mm. The manager tells me, hey, Diego, it will be great if you, you can come to my house. We're going to have a couple of bottles of wine. The, the managers are also going to come. You can, we can pick you up from the hotel because we technically weren't allowed to go anywhere. And uh, so, th so they took me there. Nice. After a few bottles of wine, we became very good friends. I told <laughs> them, hey, I used to teach salsa uh, in college, salsa dancing. So then, um, so then the wife comes over and the three daughters. So, we, so, I, so I give them like a mini salsa course. So I'm building a lot of rapport. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then at the end, he tells me, hey, Diego, so how is your, uh, how is your situation with your permit coming? And I'm like, to be honest, I have no idea. Yeah. He's like, all right, well, just know this. We're going to figure out a way no matter what. Come on. So this was in November. Mm -hmm. I don't share that story many times. Sure. But in this, in January, when I'm in Austin, that's where that little, like, I, I know that if I wouldn't have gone to his house, this is how, like, life happens, right? I know if I wouldn't have gone to his house, I wouldn't have gotten that opportunity. Yeah. Because that's where we build the rapport. Right. And um, so... I became a uh, contractor through mm. another external company. So mm. an external company hired my company and I became a contractor for General Motors. Mm. I was there working for about from February till April. But for those 40 days before 30 days that I was that I didn't know if I was I could work or anything right. because I didn't know anybody. Mm -hmm. I read books. I read The Millionaire Next Door. I, I did the Dave Ramsey University. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. So I, I did a lot of education on, on myself. Mm. And I feel like that really helped me so that when I did become 
like making good money as a 23 year old for General Motors as a software developer, I knew what I wanted to do, which was get into real estate in the future, live below my means and invest it. Nice. Right? Um, but I would still go to work to General Motors as a contractor in, in, in my bike and the managers, they would ask me if I wanted to take out their Corvette for a ride or their Camaros and I'm like, hey, I can't, I'm in a meeting. I'd love to, Yeah, <laughs> but I, mean, I can't. <laughs> I wouldn't tell them, hey, I don't have my license. Right. I would just say, hey, I'm, I have a meeting maybe next week. And then later, my documents finally came in April and that's when I was able to finally get my driver's license and became an employee mid-summer in 2013. So shut down the LLC part and then, or pulled out the LLC, became a full employee. Exactly. You have your license now, little bit of fresh air. Little bit of fresh air. Oh, I can yes. breathe a little bit. A little bit, because awesome. by that point I can't get deported. Okay. Right, Be- before that, at any I, time you could have gone. So up to happened. this point, you could have got picked up by immigration at any point. All the hard work you had put in, out the window. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Obama came in, opened up the DACA program. But you know, it's interesting because I love that Obama did the DACA program for dreamers and things like that versus mm-hmm. just like everyone gets citizenship. It's like those that are adding value, that are being constructive citizens of, mm-hmm. you know, adding value to the United States yes. at levels, you know, that you were doing. So I think that's really cool. And we're paying taxes. And you're paying taxes as well. You're, and you're, we go you're, through a biometric history exam so they know where we live, our weight, our height, Jesus. how much money we make, Every, everything. So they got they have an eye. Big Brother's watching. Exactly. Cool. Okay. So you're with General Motors. You're full time. You breathe. You have your driver's license. I'm my driver's license. Okay. What was the first car you got? Well, I had a, I had a, my Honda Civic. Nice. That's the one I bought. Yes. I didn't even buy a GM car. Yeah. Why didn't you? Because I didn't want to buy a brand new car because mm. they were selling brand new cars. Sure. I wanted, I got a 2009 Honda Civic. Something used Something, that's probably last last Exactly. That will last me. Easy payments. Easy. Okay, so now General Motors, mm-hmm. how does General Motors now become, how do you go from General Motors to the real estate guru, investor, yeah. coach, uh, so many titles that we can give you. Yeah. How do you go from that to where you're at now? Yeah, what happened was in reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, okay. I found out that there's two ways for people to make money. You can trade your time for money or you can make your money work for you. Okay. So in trading my time for money, I'm like, okay, GM is going to be me trading my time Mm -hmm. and making a good salary, right? I started making making 60K a year, 23 years old. I'm like, this is great. And no student loans, no Mm. credit card debt Mm. because I couldn't get into that. And your mortgage is 500 bucks or something, right? My rent payment was 500 500 bucks. Yeah. So then in reading about house hacking and me wanting to buy homes, I Mm -hmm. set a goal that I wanted to buy, I wanted to own 10 properties by age 35. Love it. That was my goal. I was 22, 21 when I set that goal, but Mm -hmm. Um, then I read about house hacking and that's when I wanted to buy a home so that I could live in the master, rent out the three bedrooms and live for free. Mm. In between that time, I found out, I met a realtor. He was helping me buy a home, but due to my DACA documents, the lender asked me for my green card and I told him from the beginning that I don't have it. So the deal fell through because I couldn't qualify for a loan. So what is this, like five, six, seven? Seven no's that I've been <laughs> How many like, no's have yeah, been big been life decisions? Yeah, it's back again and again and again. Gosh, it's frustrating. And it's frustrating because I was like, holy crap. Like, I remember I called my dad and I was like, dad, like, I'm trying to get ahead in life and like every single is thing, my no, papers are no, always a, a no. problem. Yeah. And he's like, all right, how much do you have saved? By that time, 
the good thing too about GM hiring my company is I got paid, I don't know how this worked, but I got paid as if I had experience, mm. not as a college new hire. Mm. So I was making like 8,000 a month. Big as, bag. Yeah, on yeah. I was making 8,000 as a contractor. Wow. And I saved everything. So mm. I had 25,000 by the time that I was ready to buy Start a house. house yeah. And my dad was like, okay, how much do you have? I was like 25. Okay, if I have 25, we can buy a house cash for 50 or 60. We found a home cash in Florida, and Pascal, again, came into the Good rescue. old Pascal. Good old Pascal. His dad or him, they lent me $10,000. So you got 25, your dad got 25, Pascal put in 10. Yes. Bang, you bought a house. Bought a home. So let me stop right there, because yeah. it seems like at every no, you have found the way in, mm -hmm. right? Like where I would have just pulled a loan, got the down payment, bought a house. Mm -hmm. Super easy, right? You... The answer was no, go figure it out. Yes. And I feel like a lot of times people are like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur or I want to be successful. Documentation or no documentation, status or no status, you're going to get a lot of no's. Mm -hmm. And I think entrepreneurship might even be defined by how well you can overcome the no's. Like that should define entrepreneurship. A hundred percent. That's yeah. a super good way to see it. Yeah. yeah. So I love that like you've had to overcome all these obstacles because a lot of people are like, oh, I want to be successful. I want to invest in real estate. I want to do this. But they've never been told no in their life. Their mm -hmm. whole life has been, I can go to college easy. I can drive easy. I can get a job easy. I can do all these things easy. The moment they get a no, they get frustrated. Exactly. Right? So like you have gotten no's your whole life and had to overcome the no's mm -hmm. to figure it out. Yes. Because we're, we're in the position we're at now. We get a lot of people that are like, hey, Felipe, or hey, Diego, can you help me mm -hmm. get into real estate? And, and it's like, sure, I'll help you. And even just saying, sure, I'll help you is probably not doing them any favors mm -hmm. because They've just never been told no in their life. Exactly. So they had never had to overcome anything. So the first time they get hit in the mouth with a no, they're like, oh, wait, why? You know, I, I don't deserve, I'm entitled to be, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So what happens? You get the money. Yeah. So I get the money. I get the home. And then. You buy it cash? I buy it cash. Okay. Good for you. With, with, with my dad. Mm -hmm. And then at that time, that's when I, I was like, okay, with this property, I'm good, but I need to figure out a way to still continue to see if I can get my house hack. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to 2014. So that realtor that that helped me out, um, he became my mentor because mm -hmm. we started to hang out and I felt bad that I wasted his time because mm -hmm. we were under contract. And, and then it fell through? And then it fell through. And yeah. I was like, I'm really sorry I wasted your time. And so I told him, what can I bring value to you? Mm -hmm. And because I'm pretty good with technology. And he was like, well, I don't know technology at all. So I helped him a little bit with his with his computer, his website, his Excel sheets, whatever, for 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 his contacts. And we became friends. Oh, good for you. Later, I wanted to become a realtor because I was seeing like what he was doing. And I was like, dude, I think I can do this in the weekends and nights. Can I shadow you? I drove him around to, for two weekends in a row. Because you have your license now. Because now I have my license, <laughs> right? I got my license. And uh, and dude, I have to say this because perspective is everything. Okay, I was when I got my license, I had to go to the DMV, mm -hmm. and you tell you always hear a lot of people, oh, you're gonna be in the DMV for hours. Everybody's mad, irritated, whatever. I was the happiest person at the DMV <laughs> because I was finally gonna be able to get that little piece of card, right? So again, perspective is. You are everything. the happiest person at the DMV. I was the happiest person. That's yeah. Um, so I drove him around got a lot of value seeing what I could do as a realtor and I was like I can do this mm -hmm. so I got my license and I asked him if he could mentor me mm -hmm. so 
in driving him around, I could hear conversations that he was having with clients. He became my mentor, got my license, and I knew that. Was he, he paying you to do any of this? Not in the to beginning. To driving around? No, no, to... no, no. I did it for free okay. so that I could learn. Okay. What happened is I later, once I got my license, I was able to find a lender that could finally get me the loan for my house hack. And I bought my first house hack, putting 5,000, 5% down, owner-occupant with um so for less than eight thousand dollars this is in austin 2014 it cost 170 with less than eight thousand dollars or something i was able to buy that home nice. now the cool part about it was that my mortgage was 1350 and the rent payment for my three roommates was 550. okay so i was living for free in the master bedroom and the extra cash paid for my car payment. Mm. So I'm 24 years old at that time. Still no mortgage. No, no living for free. Living for free. Right? Car payment, getting paid by other people, no student loans, no financial aid, like having to pay that. So like I'm good mm-hmm. at that at that point, right? But do, do you feel like <clears throat> do you feel like any of this came from fear of like losing it because you had never you weren't it was really really hard for you to get it, like the house, the car and all yeah. that. Like did you do you feel like you were trying to protect your assets or why did you decide to go this route? I decided to go with that route because of a quote that I heard from from my mentor Hal El, I'm not Hal Elrod, um, Adam Carroll. Adam Carroll. He said you should build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. Mm. Build a bigger life, not a bigger lifestyle. What does that mean? That means that you get to choose experiences rather than things. Mm. Rather than going for, so I was making 60K, I could have easily gotten a Camaro or a Corvette if I wanted to. I could have (laughs) gone to live downtown Austin, maximize all of my expenses, right? Because I could afford it. Sure. But I decided to live below my means in knowing what, that I wanted to have a big life. Mm. For me, that meant by me living for free or living below my means on that perspective, I would get to choose to spend money traveling Maybe I, I would go to an event once a month. I was in a different state because I couldn't leave the United States. Um, so I would be either seeing family, seeing friends, everything. And people would say, how, how can you afford it? Mm-hmm. Of course, I was doing a little bit of travel hacking. Mm-hmm. But also, I was able to afford those things because I didn't buy the nicest furniture. I didn't have a $600 car payment, right? Um, so for me, that, that was what I wanted to do. Building a bigger life basically means choosing to have those experiences rather than just things. The things will come later. Just like now I have my Tesla and all that stuff, right? But it's like nine years later that I heard that quote to me being able to do have that. Um, wow, that's, yeah. that's amazing. And okay, so got your house hack, got your car, now you're a realtor. Um, as we wind down this podcast, as mm-hmm. we wind down this interview, yeah. Everyone's heard your podcast on Bigger Pockets, on mm-hmm. all these other things. So they know your investing style, they know mm-hmm. who you are. But I love this story because I don't feel like people have gotten to know Diego on an mm-hmm. intimate, personal level, right? Yeah. So thanks for that, for sure. Um, let's wrap it up. Give us where yeah. are you at now? How many yeah. units do you have? Who are your business partners? What do you invest in? What are your businesses? Yeah. And uh, what do you drive now? I dude, know you don't drive a Honda. Dude, no. <laughs> no, so now I drive a Tesla. Hey. Now, uh, so I am. A, a so you still don't drive. Right? I still don't drive. <laughs> my drive, my Tesla drive. Okay. So I, um, 
You drive a Tesla. So I drive a Tesla. Last last year, I sold 56 homes as a realtor. So you're still a realtor in Austin. I'm still a realtor in Austin. 56 homes. Jesus and then Christ. yeah, and then we That's have Rad Race to a Five Mastermind. We do have Rad Race to Five. That we connected. Correct. Right. Um, then we have the drop shipping. Mm-hmm. We have. Um, we have, let's see what else. And then I own like 20 properties. 20 units. So you have 20 properties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are those spread out or are they all in Texas? So some are in Texas, mm-hmm. in Austin area. Okay. Right. What I did with house hacking is I bought one, mm-hmm. then I moved to my next one using the low down payment. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I did it. Now, it. by me being able to live below my means and living for free, I was able to save that money and continue investing it. Mm. So now I have some properties in Florida and I have about 15 doors Airbnb in Tennessee in the Smokies. Nice. Yeah. So you're crushing real estate, crushing you drive a estate. Tesla, yes. you're a realtor, Yes. Um, you have great friends and family, I know a lot about your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're real connected, we're real intertwined with business. Um, we, we're wrapping it up. Um, I guess to yeah and I do want to share one other story yeah. too Go ahead. that I think that will help the audience especially with like the obstacles and sure. stuff because it really depends like the questions that you ask yourself in certain situations can make or break you mm. like can can allow you to go one way or, or the other mm. and I'll give you an example but basically it's like the questions that you ask yourself right when certain situations happen to me I would ask myself why is this happening for me rather than to me Mm. when you ask yourself the for me you begin to look for answers that come more empowered Mm -hmm. because no matter what you can um you're you're looking for solutions Mm. right how how can this benefit me Mm. rather than to me so instead of saying oh my gosh now i can't get uh now this this nonprofit that said that they were going to employ me now they can't employ me because I don't have my work authorization this sucks I hate that this happened to me but when I ask myself okay they say I can't work how is this happening for me then I'm like okay maybe I can do a little bit more research and see if there's a way for me to create my company mm. right so you take the empower mentality rather than becoming a victim mm. and I feel like a lot of people when they hear no they do become the victim oh why is this happening to me yes yeah, why, exactly why am I the victim exactly right and a perfect example of this is not to get political, mm-hmm. right? But the last four years were a little bit tough on on the DACA stuff mm-hmm. because the Trump administration decided to take it away. Mm-hmm. Instead of being all freaked out and having fear, because mm-hmm. I did have fear, but sure. I didn't let the fear be, like I had more courage than fear. Sure. So what happened from that angle is instead of saying, oh my gosh, my life is over, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna be able to do this, DACA is done, I decided to share my story. Mm-hmm. And basically- So instead of hiding, you went balls went to the wall, excuse in. the language, yes. but you and went I, all in. Exactly, and I wrote this post on social media and I asked my mom for permission because I was gonna basically share for the first Put time that out. I'm a dreamer, I have DACA, not many people knew at that time. Mm-hmm. And I shared the picture of the taxes that I paid in 2016 of over $28,000. And that post went viral, right? But when you get something that goes viral, you get the haters and you get the supporters. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of people telling me, Diego, you're undocumented, you should go back to Mexico. And I'm like, dude, I'm Peruvian, what are you talking <laughs> about? And, what am I gonna uh, do in Mexico? Yeah, and uh, so just like a lot of haters, but I decided to share my story to empower other people and to show that as dreamers, as DACA recipients, as immigrants, we're still supporting this country, we're still contributing to our economy paying taxes, right? As a 26-year-old paying $28,000 or more is, is a lot. 
Um, and I also employ Americans. Mm. So the whole story that these DACA kids are stealing jobs from Americans is really not true. You're we paying don't. 20 some thousand in yeah. taxes and hiring. Yeah, so what happened then is I took that that for me mentality and like I went all out, right? And sharing that story, got featured on Forbes, CNN Money, Fox News that weekend too. And, uh, and I've been now with like, I've been in congressmen giving press conferences and all that stuff. Right. But I'll tell you like the thing for me that has helped me is having that mindset mentality and the mentors and the people that I surround myself with. I feel like that is really, really, really important. I love that. Diego, thank you so much for your story, man. It's super empowering just being in your circle, a friend, I can call you a friend. Um, I mentor from you. I learn from you daily. I call you all the time to ask for advice. And ideas. And ideas. And ideas. Um, wrapping it up, bro, where can people find you? Uh, yes. How can people get in contact with you? Yes. People can find me on Instagram at Real Diego Corzo. Okay. That's the easiest way. Easiest way. Real Diego Corzo. Awesome. And your number is three. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this guy. All right, buddy. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. We're That's that's it. We're going to wrap it up. Awesome. Rat Race Defy Podcast. Super yes. excited. And um, we'll have definitely more of these to come. Thanks, Perfect. Diego. Thank you. The Rap Race to Five podcast, where we discuss money, mindset, real estate investing, and ways to achieve financial independence. Whether you are a rookie or a veteran needing new ideas for investing or creating side hustles, you're in the right place.